In this week's episode of Studio Inter, we'll be discussing the win against Sampdoria. We'll be previewing the match against Hellas Verona, Sabatini Gate, this week's Moji, Moratti and Frog, and much, much more. Everything here on Studio Inter, only on sempreinter.com. Con Ronaldo a battere questo calcio di punizione molto lungo per Zamorano che gira bene al centro, attenzione il destro, violentissimo e lo spettacolare gol da parte di Zanetti. La prima squadra che vince qua è la nostra Inter, l'Inter vince e Dillo, campione d'Europa, campione d'Europa, campione d'Europa, campione d'Europa, campione d'Europa, i più forti siamo noi. Benvenuti, bentornati, welcome back to another edition of Studio Inter. Uh, well, we're back now after a week, uh, we, uh, after the international break, um, after last week when uh, a when Inter and Mauro, especially Mauro Icardi score, made history by scoring a century of goals in two from two aspects. And you'd expect, well, things are going well, the team has reacted really well to, to, to Spalletti, uh, and we're going to have a nice little podcast, you know, go down memory lane, previewing the Hellas match and talk a little bit about that. But then Inter, being Inter, go out and pull out the cutlery drawer and pull it all over themselves today. Because Walter Sabatini is apparently not happy with life at Suning. Uh, obviously, his role is the sporting director of Suning Sports, the parent company who owns Inter and Yangshu Suning. Uh, yesterday, Fabio Capello resigned or got sacked or whatever. This kind of made everything boil, uh, reach boiling point for um, uh, for Sabatini. And today, he uh, there was reports coming that he resigned. However, he himself came out and said he didn't resign, but he talked the way he talked about things was as if he had resigned. And which, when he was when this was pointed out to him. Um, he said that, no, no, I'm just a bit nervous. We'll talk later. Um, <laughs> helping me to go through this little shitstorm uh, is uh, uh, the uh, social media manager for Surfer Tomarnina, Mr. Will Beckman. Welcome, Will. Good evening. I shall do my best to help you. <laughs> To help you remove the cutlery and put it back in the drawer. <laughs> exactly. Let's sort out the cutlery. And thank God that we have also our good Italian friend uh, who uh, commentates on uh, Inter supporters, uh, live commentates those matches, and also he writes for nerolazzurro.com, uh, and who is the designated Italian who can explain what the fuck is going on. Welcome, Silvio <laughs> Santucci. <laughs> Hello, Nima. Good evening. Good evening, Will. Good evening, everyone. Well, it's great to be here, but don't, don't put some... <laughs> Some expectation on me because <laughs> I, I confuse this as, as much you're as, as good as Andrea Paventi for us. For the next <laughs> exactly, you're you're the one who needs to explain what the fuck is going on because <laughs> the timing of all this. Right, let's go back. Let's go back in time. Napoli game. Spalletti comes out. Can we go back to 2010, please? Twenty <laughs> second yeah. of May. Let's just freeze everything there. No, yeah. but seriously, um, let's go back to the Napoli game. Afterwards, we're in a match where Inter did pretty well. Spalletti goes out and says, we don't have any quality. Um, you know, we don't really have any good players. Icardi scores a bit of goals, but that's about it. 
And then he's confronted with, well, Kandreva said that you said this to make them, to make the team wake up. And he and Spalletti replies, well, if Kandreva wants to think that, that's his, pro that's his problem, not mine. <laughs> and basically throws the team and the club under the bus. Week after Inter come out and completely destroy Sampdoria, Mauro Icardi scores his 100th Serie A goal. He scores his uh, 100th goal for Inter in all our competitions. Um, things are looking good. We have an international break. Inter are on track to go into the Champions League. And then, you know, for, you know fast forward, uh, Brozovic is happy for once. That's also, I think that's, a, that's I'm going to get into that because apparently Brozovic was the first one back uh, out of the players' call for international duty, um, you know, to, to show how much he cares. You know, everything is okay. And then we have today where reports come out that Sabatini wants to resign because he wants more power. He's not happy with uh, how things are going. His exact words are, um, "I would have liked to have. Uh, I would like. I would have liked to have a different story at Inter." Um, uh, the, my favorite comment out of all of that is, "I hope that the team can win the remaining games and, and qualify for the Champions League, because that would be a, a consolation on an otherwise disappointing experience." <laughs> I mean, He's resigned. I mean, let's first let's first talk about that. The guy's pretty much resigned. I mean, when when you say things like it would have been nice to create something a little bit more consistent, but never mind. And I want Inter. It would be a consolation for him to go to the Champions League. It would be a consolation for an experience that has not been that good. I mean, he's resigned, hasn't he, Fulvio? What do you think? Well, uh, I have to say he resigned. Actually, I think that was uh, this is this was pretty clear uh, according to, to his words. But uh, first thing first, uh, if uh, we think about uh, uh, the presentation actually uh, of Sabatini as um, as a selling sports director, he told things that uh, never happened. At least uh, for my for for, for, for what, what I saw, it never happened. He saw he, he, he told. Uh, um, he told us a story about a network uh, and synergy between Inter and Susunink um, and the clubs helping each other. So a real network, just such as uh, Manchester City have with uh, uh, with uh, the clubs uh, that uh, uh, that holds, like I don't know Manchester City, FC Girona in Spain, and so on and so forth. But this has never happened. So. Uh, I think that uh, the tables are completely turned um, since uh, Sabatini was a And uh, in between, we had uh, um, an abandoned Mercato in last summer, uh, that one for Inter, and uh, um, Mercato with zero budget, with promises to, to players that uh, can never uh, join Inter, like um, Schick, like Pastore. Um, also, the young Susunin Mercato was, uh, I would say, not so rich. Uh, they, they saw, they, sorry, they bought uh, Paletta from AC Milan. That basically <laughs> is, is Paletta. They, they bought Boachi. That uh, is a refuse of the Italian football, even though he made, made great things uh, in Serbia. Uh, but uh, anything else? And uh, in China. Um, other other clubs uh, in the meantime purchased uh, Ferreira Carrasco, Gaetan, so big names. Uh, I think that uh, that Sabatini is is tied, was tied uh, actually into the into this uh, into this experience from the beginning. So I think that uh, the promises uh, were not fulfilled. 
uh, he's definitely not the kind of manager that uh, is going to stick with everything, with any every condition. Uh, so he just, it just, how can I say? He just told what it, what he, what he thinks right now. And uh, many many Inter fans say that um, he could wait until the end of the um, until the end of the season. Uh, but uh, I think that uh, they are forgetting that uh, uh, Sabatini is not an Inter manager. So basically, uh, the the time of this uh, of this um, of this resignment, if it is a resignment, as we as we are thinking about, uh, is, is is pointless if related to Inter because Sabatini has resigned to a role that. Uh, uh, just partially as uh, concerned with Inter, and uh, and uh, I think that uh, it's important to underline that uh, he resigns, uh, or at least is resigning in the same day uh, of Capello, and uh, this, these two things could be related. Probably we'll see in the we'll see in the future. We'll know in the future, but this is the assumption so far. I read somewhere that uh, I read in there were reports in Korea the Sport. Um, today, when this story first surfaced that Sabatini was uh, going to resign, uh, he was basically giving an ultimatum to the Chinese. Um, it was say, they, they also reported that Marco Branca could be in to replace him. Now, um... <laughs> well, but it's not replacement. That that is that is completely pointless because it's not that's not replacement. Uh, the the sporting director of Inter is Ausilio Ausilio. Yeah, there. I know, but, but I mean, what kind of replacement Sabat- are we talking about? Yeah, I'm talking about replacement, <laughs> replacing, uh, replacing Sabatini, and having oh, Branco Branco doing the Chinese medical. Yes, <laughs> is what we need. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm thinking. Branca <laughs> being Auxilio's mentor once again, and being above Auxilio, and being the one who supposedly oversees Inter and Suning in Yangshu Suning. I mean. When you say that, you know, you shouldn't really say this is this is the reason why people shouldn't say things can't get any worse, because I, you know, with all due respect for Marco Branca, uh, he was horrible at Inter towards the last three years, and Auxilio and him have have had some, you know, they they've not officially maybe openly had some you know conflict, but it's not been very kind words between them. Yeah, and I think that uh, no, uh, any club appointed him after Inter. Exactly. So it's yeah. So it's basically it's basically stuck to the to the Inter experience uh, in 2014. I think was uh, was dismissed, and after that, four years uh, last. And uh, Branca basically, what what did he do? Nothing in the world nothing, of football, I would say. Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Um, I I hope this isn't true because I mean, if if Suning think that they can, I mean. If Suning think that they will calm things down by appointing Branca, they have no idea what they're doing because that would just cause an insane reaction by the fans. Like, people are already upset with Suning for not spending, but as long as Sabatini was there, kind of, people still had a little bit of faith in, in how, you know, because he's obviously he's got a fantastic reputation. If Sabatini goes and is replaced by Branca and you go into the summer not having any money again, uh, <laughs> um, yeah. The reaction will be—I mean, it will be—it will be protests against Suning, and the, the, this the situation will be made so much worse. And I'm so surprised at this that, that Suning are so that they don't see this, that they don't understand, they don't seem to understand the the country that they're operating in, and they don't seem to understand the character of Sabatini that they have hired. 
um, that he, this is a guy who has a fantastic reputation. He can get a job anywhere, anywhere. And that, you know, you, if you don't, you know, if you don't, you know, you can't completely flatten him and run him over time and time again without a reaction coming. And now, and the fans are already pissed off. So I, I don't know. I, this is, this is not, this is, um, I'm, I'm worried. I'm genuinely worried. What do you think, Will? Well, I think first of all, let's just say that let's wait until Branca is appointed before discussing that doomsday scenario. I like that. So, I think I think we should uh, I think we should leave that at the back of our minds for a moment. Um, no, I agree with uh, with most of what you said. I mean, I think the you know Sabatini arrived at Suning expecting big things, and he's not had big things at any point in his last two years. You know. Um, all of you mentioned the, the network that was supposed to, to be developing over the next couple of years when actually that's not happened. You know, it's just been Jungzu and Inter. Um, you know, they, he thought they would have, he'd have a lot more room to work on the, on the transfer market, not just, not just for, for Inter, but for Jungzu as well. Um, I, think, I think, you know, the, the, if we're going to, there, there was something that we were discussing before we came on air, which was that why didn't he do, why didn't he get fed up a couple of months ago? You know, why wasn't it, why wasn't it then? Um, that he that he left. I think there are, there are there are a couple of things that have happened since then that have determined this. I, th- I agree with you when you say that Capello's um, resignation has been important because he was a man that Sabatini worked to bring to the club. Uh, yeah. He had a good relationship with Capello, um, and also there was a there's a, there was after Inter's Mercato closed, uh, there was an incident in it, with Jiangsu's Mercato when he they wanted to sell um, Alex Teixeira to Corinthians, or at least they wanted to send him on loan. And then at the last minute, they changed their mind. And this was just another um, example in Sabatini's mind of Suning, you know, doing something and then changing their mind at the last minute and making themselves very difficult to work with. You know, I think um, I think before Suning took over, so they did something similar with uh, with Guarin when they went to sign him for Yangzhou and then they, they they pulled out of that at the last minute. Yeah. So this is something that they've got um, Guarin and someone else now. Luis Adriano, maybe, if I'm, but I'm going off the top of my head there. Um, uh, yeah, I... I you know he's not he's not an inter sporting director, so in that sense it's not it's not crazy into just yet. But it's it's not a particularly positive development. But at the same time, it doesn't necessarily have to be a catastrophic development because you know he wasn't he wasn't into sporting director. That's you know it's important to remember. That. I think in the eyes of the fans, he has been for a year or so because they, they a lot of people like the idea of into not being in the hands of Piero Azilio, but that's that's not the case. So <laughs> so that's you know, a very good point. Yeah. Um, but at the uh, end of the day, we got to say, I mean, so far, De Frey, Lautaro Martinez, and, you know, these are good signings that have been made. And Samoa. Yeah, I mean, and, I mean, sure, but I mean, that's because Nagatobo's being replaced, thank God. Uh, that, that, that I'm, I'm going to run naked down the streets of Gothenburg of happiness screaming, oh, thank God when that happens. I am so fed up with Nagatobo. And replacing with Samoa <laughs> and having Dalbert there, I mean, we don't really know what Dalbert can do because he's, you know, he's not being played. I th- well, I think we know what Dalbert can do. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, and that's that's something that uh, that I'm not I'm not understanding uh, very well because uh, the planning for the next year seems to be one of the best uh, into the last uh, six seven years. I think I just use seems to be because I'm not uh, I'm not sure about what I'm saying right now. It's nothing official, but still. Uh, so I'm not understanding uh, uh, why it's happening. Just right now, because uh, I I was 
surprised by the Bray signing. If the Bray signed, we don't know about that, but still, it's something that is very rumored. So we could, I think that uh, I I would like to rely to that, uh, and I will rely to that. So I'm not um, I'm I'm not the only thing that I'm not understanding is why now, um, but and. Uh, I'm not uh, so concerned, as Will was saying, and I completely agree with him, it's nothing catastrophic, but I think that the fans are pissed off because uh, they suspected that this is the beginning of the end. And um, I think that, that they suspect that this is the beginning of a, ch of a chain of events that eventually will lead to the Spalletti resignment. And I think that's, that's the, the concerning of, uh, uh, of the fans today. I think you're absolutely right. I was just going to say that. Um, a couple of weeks, I think it was last episode when we had James on, when we were talking about, it was immediately after that, we had James Horncastle on, and we were, we were talking immediately after Spalletti's, um, uh, Spalletti's uh, rant after the game against Napoli. Um, I introduced the idea that, that this is, there, there might be a, a kind of a civil war brewing between, like there is a, there is a problem between power, uh, between Sabatini on the one hand, and I'll see you on the other hand. And I think, and the more I think about that, it kind of makes sense because, look, the the De Frey, the Asamoa, the Lautaro Martinez deals, these are all auxilio deals. He's working on, you know, uh, free transfers and also using his contacts in South America via, I mean, this was a Milito Zanetti thing. So these are all auxilio phalanx, if you know what I mean. These are on the auxilio wing. Then you have a so so I think that maybe maybe what we're seeing here is 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 that that war between that 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 conflict is being won by Auxilio against Sabatini, um, which which would be very interesting, to be very interesting. So I think that that's what that's what that is. I think that is basically what that is. Like as you said, why is this coming now? Well, I think that the, these are the, this is not the route that Sabatini wants to go with. Uh, buying players on free transfers, whereas Auxilio doesn't seem to have much problem with that uh, as long as it's good players and they suit into the, the sporting project. That's, that's, that's what I think it is. What do you, what do yeah, you think? Sound, yeah, for me it sounds reasonable. Uh, sounds reasonable uh, and uh, the, fact that, uh, um, the fact that Inter is signing uh, uh, players uh, with no fees uh, should can, can be a signal for the future. So we know that uh, uh, that Inter in January, uh, or at least Suning in January, didn't move uh, any any coin for Inter. Uh, now we have this uh, Martinez deal that uh, is costing, I think, 20 millions or something like that. But uh, I think that uh, the fees the fees und uh, is undisclosed so far, so we don't know about that. But uh, it, it's interesting what you're saying about uh, about the signing at uh, with uh, with no price actually. So the um, the, the players uh, uh, for for with for the players uh, of the uh, um, with contract expired basically. Yeah, uh, this could be a sign up for the for the future for the future plan of uh, of Suning. Uh, some some people um, today wrote. Uh, um, for the assignment of Sabatini, uh, brought uh, for me very, very wisely. Brought uh, uh, Suning is changing his strategy into into the world of football, uh, and uh, I, I, I say, I, I said in January here on Studio Inter that uh, uh, after the Mercato of January, uh, to me Inter seemed like uh, an abandoned project uh, uh, on a technical point of view. So on a 
or just uh, on the roster point of view and uh, uh, seems like that uh, right now and uh, Sabatini resignment uh, seems to go into this direction. We have the signing for the for the next season. It's it's true, but uh, players with zero fee could uh, could lead to uh, to Suning uh, stepping out of Inter. This is uh, something that could happen. Actually, uh, just an hypothesis, probably worst case scenario, but still a scenario. So it's 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 interesting what you say, and uh, it's probably one of the um, one of the uh, of the things that uh, Sabatini cannot bear, cannot de- de- deal with uh, the fact that Suning is really changing his strategy into the world of football and the project is uh, 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 just seems to have a, a, another dimension right now. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I, th- I think it's important to say that um, I think there's been a, it's important to say that this is, this isn't something that, you know, they had an intention to do from the start and now the people that they've employed are just finding out. I think this is something, I think, I think Suning did come in with different ambitions, but as time has gone on, they've maybe gradually realised that they're not that bothered anymore. You know, you remember, I remember, I was just thinking while, well, Fulvio was talking, I was, talk, I was thinking about the, the Gagliardini signing and the way that was presented in the press at the time. This, this, was, a, this was seen as a sign that Suning had put their foot down and had said to Juventus, we're not going to let you dominate the Italian market anymore. We're going to, we're going to be after your players. And, you know, that, that project to Italianize the team has disappeared. I mean, none of these signings are, are domestic. You know, things have changed in the last year or so. When you say Gagliardini, sorry, I was just going to say, when you say Gagliardini to me, I just remember Massimo Moratti's comment, uh, rather bitter What did he say? where he said, I mean, I don't know if he was joking or if he was serious, but he basically said that the only reason Inter were allowed to sign Gagliardini is because Juventus allowed them to. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, well, he'd, he'd know more about that than I would. Well, like, I mean, that's what I mean. Like, because, I mean, they were talking about Caldara uh, going to uh, Juventus. Yeah. He said, yeah. well, you know, we, Inter got to sign Gagliardini because Juventus allowed them to. <laughs> you know, isn't, isn't that a rosy picture? Um, <laughs> no, I think I think the the, the idea of um, the, I think the the Gianni Mercato is interesting as well because I think the Gianni Mercato was was unequivocal proof that inter sporting results were no longer Suning's priority if they ever were their main priority because that is where you would have made a bit of a a bit of a leap to try and sign some players to secure the Champions League qualification if you really wanted to make sure that that Inter were going to make the top four. And they didn't. They decided to prioritise maybe um, respecting the financial fair play deadline that they have to come into line with by the 30th of June. You see, this is where I differ a little bit because I think this is a... I think the, the conflict here is cultural mainly. Chinese companies are not run in the same way that Western companies are. Chinese companies, they they run, they create, the, I mean, you can ask anyone who's ever worked for a Chinese company in a big Chinese conglomerate, they don't really care. Like, they look at it this way, that at the beginning of the year you have your budget, and then you stick to that, full stop, come hell or high water, you stick to that. And in Italy, you don't work, you don't, you know, companies in the West, and especially Italy, don't work like that. And especially in football, where you have this amazing, you know, you have this fantastic culture and skill of sporting directors being able to create deals out of nothing, you know, buying world-class players with three beans, you know what I mean? And the thing is that I, I, the, the, the Chinese don't care. As good as the Pastora deal would have was, was, as good as all these deals were, it was still outside of the budget agreed upon. And the Chinese don't, they don't, it's not that they don't care about Inter, it's just not how they work. That's not how they operate. 
Well, Nima, I'm not so sure about this, or at least I completely agree with the concept. Uh, I think that uh, you're perfectly right about uh, uh, the um, modus operandi, to use a Latin word, so yeah. the way of thinking of, um, of Chinese companies. But still, I'm not so sure that uh, this is uh, the full story behind Inter, because uh, I'm not so sure that the budget uh, was really planned uh, and, um, and stay in the same way. Uh, otherwise, I struggle to I struggle to believe that uh, uh, that Auxilio and Sabatini as well spent all the money on Vecino and Dalbert, basically. When we yeah. all we, we all know, and Sabatini knew as well because he told you remember uh, he, he said into into the into the Brunico conference he said we need. I was going to bring this up. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was going to yeah. bring up something else he said in that conference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he said. He said we need to buy. We need to buy goals, right? So it was. It was uh, clearly referring to to a winger, a different winger, and uh, at, eventually mm, there was any deal, and uh, but not any deal, any rumor about that. So I think that uh, things at some point dramatically changed and turned, and uh, you know the budget probably was different. Um, into the into the at, at, at the first place, I, it's probably probably was different. So I I agree with Chinese say this is the budget uh, stick to that and uh, there's no discussion. Okay, but I'm not so convinced that uh, uh, this could stick to to what Suning did to Inter because uh, Suning probably gave a budget and after that uh, decreased the budget and uh, at some point abandoned basically. Uh, every deal. So at, at some point, uh, mm, I, I would say overnight, the budget became zero. That okay. that is what I what I witness. Well, I mean, doesn't in, that in, have to do? Summer. Doesn't that have to do with also the Chinese government's limiting spending uh, as well on 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 sports and, and entertainment industry? Because I remember, I mean, that that came out of nowhere in June, July as well last year. Yeah, and this and I don't think this thing, this thing is going to change uh, actually. So. Uh, that's that's why I would expect uh, that at some point Suning tried to step out from uh, from the ah, okay. uh, at least from the Italian football because uh, you know it's pointless, right? Mm. Uh, they can yes they can they can actually earn uh, something because if they if they how can I say fix uh, the economic problems of Inter and they can sell uh, at some point they can sell a company uh, completely fixed. Uh, and earn more money, but uh, I think that uh, it's difficult to do that if they haven't no money to invest. Especially now, you know, the Chinese now the now Zhang is entering into the Chinese party, so the, into the government. Uh, so I would expect that uh, he's more controlled than before. Um, I don't think that uh, Suning can make something to change this. I don't think that uh, for the reason that you told before. I don't think that Suning. Can have can make any exception to to what the Chinese government said. So I think the situation gonna be last forever, basically. And uh, if this is the assumption, I don't I don't see any reason for Suning to stay into the into the inter business. I don't know what what you what you think, guys, but this is my view. No, I think I think that's I think you've um, I think you've summed it up fairly well. Um, yeah, not much to add. I was just thinking about some of Sabatini's famous, for most famous quotes, because that's probably what he's going to leave us with more than anything he did on the pitch. You know, that that um, we've got a series, there are a series of players that we're keeping arrogantly under control. 
That's the worst. That, those are, that's the, the sentence that's going to remain with me from Sabatini's time at Inter. Just, we never found out who those players were. <laughs> they yeah. all disappeared. Well, I think we do Lamela. Uh, <laughs> what oh, is that? <laughs> what well, his... That doesn't work because Inter have had Lamela under control for about four years. He's the new Lavezzi, isn't he? Remember when Lavezzi was almost yeah. playing for Inter every year? Yeah, it was Lamela and it was, what was his name? Pastore Lamela. Yeah, these yes, yes, and, prob- and probably this this was the promise because I don't think that uh, Sabatini told uh, we are arrogantly controlling players out of the blue. You know, no. there was a, yeah, be- because he have a fantastic reputation, as you said, Nima. It, it didn't uh, it didn't do anything like that. If not sure about uh, about what they uh, what what he receives as promise from the from the company, so I suppose something changed uh, between July and August. Probably it's uh, the Chinese government issue. Probably, but probably there's more on that. I think that we don't know. I think that we cannot know. And I think that uh, at some point, uh, someone will uh, will explain the full story behind this. I think so, too. The, the project has been downscaled along the way. Yeah, yeah, right. Right. Uh, and I think that this is this is clear now, right? So yeah, it's absolutely at, it, at the beginning could be a speculation of the of the um, supporter that was uh, that was let down by Suning, okay. But at, at at this point, and for me, it's clear by January. But uh, at this point, with Sabatini resigning, I think that it's clear for everyone that the project was downscaled along the way. I would say abandoned, but uh, probably it's too drastic. So I I would accept downscaled. <laughs> <laughs> if if we don't qualify for the top four and we're all miserable, we'll we'll change it to to abandoned. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean, for, for, but the thing is, like, going forward, then I think the, the role that Auxilio will play at this club becomes even more important because he will be the person to keep everything together. He will be his only reference point left because... Tohira's oh, lovely. <laughs> no, but no, that, I'm just thinking about, just thinking about you, someone having to explain that to the... No, but I mean, that's what's going to happen. I mean, if Sabatini's with him out and with Suning not interested as they used to be, and basically... Auxilio will become president, that's what you're saying. No, 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 God, no. I think what will happen is that basically, you know, we'll see, you know, to hear, you know, this talk of, you know, Arabic investors coming in and this talk of things. He wants to make money, you know, he wants to sell his share. It's thirty percent, and Suning don't want to buy it, which is also a bit, you know, <laughs> which also creates a little bit of a dis, you know discussion. But still, Suning on seventy percent, at least it's not a fifty-fifty place. You know, remember with Liverpool, where you had two owners who owned fifty-fifty and barely spoke to each other. At least here, you have someone who decides, who has the final word, and that's Suning. Well, hang on, I, the minority shareholder appointed our coach a year ago. Yeah, but that's before <laughs> Suning really got involved, wasn't it? Well, yeah. let's hope so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what happens. But we'll let's, see. Well, let's move on to um, uh, let's uh, move on to let's talk a little bit about what actually happened um, on. Um, oh yeah, uh, we played a game last week. Yeah, we did. We did, and we beat. And Icardi <laughs> scored uh, scored four goals. Uh, that's the second time he scored four goals in the Serie A. Uh, it's the second time he scored four goals at that stadium. When he played for Sampdoria against Pescara, he scored four goals. And now back at the Luigi Ferraris, he scored another four goals. Um, before we get to him um, and, and the you know how brilliant he ha- he's been, I'd like to talk a little bit about the double pivot with Gagliardini and Brozovic, which, again, I mean, against Napoli, they were good, but against Sampdoria, they were phenomenal. 
They were simply phenomenal, both of them. Has I mean, if if if, if Spalletti has gotten these two into playing consistently like this, then he's developed them, Brozovic and Gagliardini into world-class players. And for that alone, the man is a genius. I mean, wow. What do you guys think about the, the double pivot, Fulvio? Well, that's a great question, Mark, <laughs> actually. Uh, not for the double pivot, which is a good idea, actually, especially because, uh, um, you know, Rolf had clear uh, now. And uh, in the match against Sampdoria, you could, you could see very clearly that the roles were clear because Brozovic was, uh, was the regista of the team. Um, so I think that was really a key for the overall performance of the, of, um, of the team. And uh, he was... He, also, it's, it's, it's still the ball during the game, but uh, it was not his main concern. His main concern was to give the time to the, to the team, right, to the, to the game. And the game was incredibly smooth, incredibly fast, incredibly, how can I say, uh, I, don't, I don't know the word, but still, you, you, you understood me. Yeah. Uh, so it was very good. Yeah, it was very good. And Gagliardini, on the other hand, uh, just uh, made a lot of interception, always in the line of the of the ball when the ball was uh, in the um, in the in the foot of the Sampdoria players. So uh, it's um, it's a very um, a good built uh, midfield. The only thing is that. Uh, Two guys are not uh, are not too constant guys, you know, because uh, Brozovic was on, on a plane for Sevilla on on the on the end of January. After that, uh, gave a lot of problems and gave a lot of problems also last year to De Boer, yeah. to Pioli yeah. as well. So you cannot really rely on him. While Gagliardini uh, was, you know, was basically hidden for the um, for all the season and. Uh, I think that he could fight. He could uh, now found a good shape. Okay, but uh, do we can we rely really on him? I don't know. So um, Esteban Cambiasso on Sky Sport uh, Italy um, after the match with Sampdoria uh, say something I think uh, um, right and I think very wise. And he said basically that uh, uh, in his opinion, Brozovic and Gagliardini won't be like that until the end of the season. So Spalletti, the real, uh, the real effort of Spalletti, the real challenge of Spalletti is to choose the best midfield in a situation. Because according to him, the Sino Borcavalero have not finished to play in the lineup of Inter. And the midfield can change along the way uh, until the end of the season. And it depends who's, who's in, best sh- in best shape. So uh, I'm not relying uh, 100% on this midfield, uh, even though I admit that uh, uh, at the moment uh, as it's the best midfield that Inter have this year, probably. Fine, that's a good point. Um, Will, I wanted to talk a little bit about Mauro Icardi. I mean, this is a guy who's... I mean, think about it. He's arguably been at Inter during Inter's most difficult period uh, for the past 50 years. There's, the club has been going through so many changes and turmoil, and he still manages to score, and he scores regularly in a, in a league that Carlos Tevez described as University for Strikers, which is I mean, the most difficult league in the world to score in. What, and still he's criticised by Inter fans and others for not being good enough, or he's, his movement isn't good enough, or he doesn't do this good enough, or whatever. I mean, how, 
how do you view him uh, in, in terms of, of, of putting him in a historic context? How, how great do you think his feature is of scoring 103 goals during this difficult period? Well, I can give you some numbers uh, or some names, actually. Higuain, Ronaldo, Cavani, Neymar, Lewandowski, Ibrahimovic. Uh, they had all scored fewer goals than Icardi when they were 25 years old. So, you know, this is this is this is quite something. And he, you know, he's he's never I don't know if he's ever going to be the perfect modern striker who is perfectly in tune with all of his teammates and opens the space like it's second nature to him. And and is this wonderful offensive regista like some other forwards might be at the top of at the top of world football. But he is he's the best striker in the world in the box. I think I think that's that's clear because, you know, he he has. um I think two every two uh, shots out of three that he has are on target, you know, which is something which is That's I think the, the average, yeah, the, the average is sixty-seven point seven percent. I think, and you, if you compare it to the rest in Serie, you've got um, uh, Immobile, who's the capo canino, is sixty-four, Kayon sixty-two, Higuain's fifty-nine, Mertens forty-seven. So you know, he's he, he is a guarantee in what he does. You know, if you want him, if you want someone to score goals, you know who to sign. So you know, and you're right. You're right to, to to point out the fact that he's done this in a very difficult period. You, know, you wonder if he'd been in some of Inter's teams in the past. You know, how many goals would he have scored? I don't know. Um, <laughs> in terms of sort of placing him in the the, panath- in a, um, the, the, the pantheon of Inter greats, I think you know you, you have to put an asterisk against him in the sense that he's not won anything with Inter yet. So if we're going to talk about him being a real great. That is going. That has to be. A discussion that's had, but in terms of his numbers, I mean, there's nothing you can. There's no way of attacking. It. I mean, another thing that I'd like to point out is that Icardi is the sixth youngest player ever to score 100 goals in Serie A, but the, the five players that are ahead of him are all way in the past. Now you've got Meazza, uh, 1933 when he did it, Silvio Piola, 36, Boniperti, 52, Felice Borel, 38, Altafini, 63. So you know he he's the youngest person in the last. 60 years to score 100 goals yeah. in Serie A, which is, which is phenomenal. I mean, it, yeah. there, there's, yeah, he's unattackable. And bear in mind that uh, at the times of the, of the players that you, that you mentioned, Will, uh, the Serie A was very different. And yeah, the that, average, I was looking at that the other day, that you had like 10 twos and nine. Right, these, the average goal per really match weird was, results. The average goal per match was, was so higher than, that, than, yeah. than now. So yeah. this is a fact. <laughs> this yeah. is quite so, something. Yeah, that's another thing. Um, it's pretty I mean, amazing. Th- th- just, can we just have a few seconds to talk about the, the back heel? Yeah, I mean, it was it. so go brilliant. That, well, I, what I thought was great was that it was so brilliant and beautiful that it inspired Rafinha to try and do the same about 10 minutes later. It was like it was, it, sort of, even his teammates were in awe of it because we almost scored another back heel 10 minutes later. And, you know, the, just to think of that is, I mean, it's unbelievable. You know, it, I, I, it's sort of draw-dropping. Like, you know, because nobody, I don't think it. I mean, I certainly didn't think he was going to do that when when the ball was there. And suddenly, you know, goodness me! Yeah, I mean, they're all yeah. lovely goals. Every goal that he scores is, is is gorgeous in its own special way. But that was one of that was one of my favourite from of all the hundred he scored for Inter. Yeah, yeah, that's that's probably one of his most amazing uh, goals ever. Right, um, let's uh, move on uh, to um, uh, the upcoming game against uh, Hellas Verona, and I thought. It's not really an exciting game that much, but there is a little bit of rivalry here. Uh, there's, there, there was a, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I'm going to uh, let you explain this, Fulvio, because you know more about this. But 
as far as I know, the, the rivalry between the fans, the, weren't they weren't the Hellas and Inter uh, ultras friends, and then they something happened and they became mortal enemies? Can you tell yeah. us a little bit about that? Yeah. Uh, so uh, you yeah you 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 actually told the right thing because the current situation between Inter and Verona supporters, uh, hooligans, ultras, I don't know how to call how to call them, but actually it's basically a friendship gone bad. Um, a friendship that uh, 30 years ago what, uh, was recognized as one of the most solid uh, in uh, Italian supporter scenario. Um, as, far, as far as we know, the story began uh, uh, around the beginning of the 80s. It was this group this called Skins, and uh, this group claimed their place into the organization of the Curva North. And uh, due to, to the policy views shared, uh, especially this group, the Skins, started a relationship with some Verona groups uh, called um, Brigata Giallo Blue Veronesi and uh, Azione Schinet Veneto. So mm, uh, from the name, you can, you can easily guess uh, what the <laughs> political view. <laughs> but, still, but still, it was something that was beyond football. They used to visit each other outside the football matches. And uh, this friendship grew very quickly. Um, I actually can remember in first person uh, that uh, in uh, 1989, I was six, and my father brought me to San Siro for the match against Verona because it was um, universally considered safe, also for children. Um, then everybody at that point had recognized a strong friendship between, uh, between these, two, these two supporters. Um, and the following year, it was uh, 1990, um, Inter was forced to move from San Siro to play the first round of UEFA Cup. Uh, the UEFA Cup that Inter will eventually win that year against, uh, against Roma. Um, and uh, um, was forced to move because the ground of San Siro did not fulfill the minimum quality requirements of the Euro European Cups. So it was difficult uh, to, uh, to find a place because uh, the first chosen place was Bergamo. Uh, after that, it was forbidden. So what happened? Um, the city of Verona um, offered uh, the, the stadium. It was new at, the, at that time, the Bentegodi. Um, and just a few days before the match, the solution was warmly welcomed because uh, thanks to this friendship, uh, um, the match was considered completely safe for attenders. Another boost for this friendship was the strong historical rivalry between the Verona and the Similia, especially for opposite political views. And uh, on the other way around, uh, Verona supporters, uh, for, the politic, uh, uh, for the political point of view, had good relation also with Lazio supporters that, as you know, are still in training within the, within the Inter in these days. Um, during the night, the friendship go ahead without any kind of problem. Um, match matches completely safe. Any risk of clashes. Uh, in those days, you could hear chants from the fans supporting each other, um, and that something happens because at the end of at the end of the 90s, uh, the people in charge of the two different uh, organization uh, changed. Um, the Interskins group was split, eventually disappeared, and the new leaders of Verona had political views very extreme, uh, sympathizing with Nazism, according to someone. Um, so the match against Verona played on August uh, 99. It uh, was remembered especially for the Vieri Atric at his debut. was basically the last one with a friendship still in place. The following year, uh, we are now in March 2001 in San Siro, Verona supporter raised a banner in which they wrote uh, Soli contro tutti, that basically means by ourselves against everyone, and this is, was not appreciated by the Curban Art. Um, so the leaders of the Curban Art started to define these new Verona leaders as arrogant, Verona supporters communicated from their website uh, that as far as they were concerned, friendship was broken. Um, the Intersight tried again to fix the conflict. It was, mm, it was useless. Uh, when the two teams was uh, once again uh, each other in San Siro was December 2001, 
and was the match uh, that you probably remember because Ronaldo started in a lineup because uh, after um, almost two years and uh, that they scored also two goals. So what happened? Um, it happened that uh, at some point uh, um, Verona supporters started to address a racist chants to all the Inter team uh, and to Ronaldo himself in the day he came back to football after this uh, this terrible injury. Uh, so this is, was something that uh, uh, that was um, that really pissed off uh, uh, the Curva North. And I was in Curva North that day, uh, so I can witness in first person. I can remember very well the leaders of the Curva North imposed uh, to everyone chan- to, to make chants openly against Verona. Uh, and it was the first time in, uh, since almost 20 years. Uh, so this is that, that in which the, the twinning uh, is considered broke up. So from that day, as a result of, of this escalation that, uh, that we told, uh, Inter and Verona are officially rivals. And today, I would say the match between the two sides is considered risky for the attenders. So, you know, it was, uh, that escalated quickly, but uh, in a bad way. And uh, now the two teams are really, really in a, in, a, in a bad rival, I would say. Bad rivalry, I would say. Ooh, that's, um, so it's a high-risk game. Uh, and, it's a, and apparently I read that it's something about 50,000, 60,000 tickets sold to this game. So um, uh, it's going to yeah, be... The, yeah, 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 of course, because uh, this, is, uh, this is the result of our promotion, uh, for, I think, for the Inter clubs. Uh, and um, Inter opened um, the third ring as well. So um, a lot of people uh, are, are attending. Uh, and San Siro, there's not so much risk of clash. Um, but uh, for, for, for instance, if you, if you are um, a citizen of Veneto, the region in which Verona is, um, is, uh, is located, you cannot purchase a ticket uh, unless it's in the, um, in the, in the sector. Uh, yeah, no, unless it's uh, for all the stadium, you cannot buy a ticket if you are located in Veneto, oh. if you are a citizen of Veneto, uh, unless you go in with, with the Verona fans. So okay. this is uh, this is uh, the Italian way to, to solve the, the risky games, actually. So <laughs> I'm not, I'm not so agree with that, but still the, the real problems are where Inter is uh, is uh, is in Bentegodi. and this already happened this year without any kind of consequences, but uh, it's considered a risky game. Well, Mordo. Um, Mordo, yes, exactly. I <laughs> as I always say on this show, every time we talk about this game, uh, I am so happy that it's not in. Uh, there at the Bentegodi because I've been to that stadium and it is the most miserable place I have ever been to. It's where <laughs> happiness goes to die. It's just a horrible place. Italy is a beautiful country. Verona is a beautiful city, but that part of that city and where that and where the the, the stadium itself, I mean, you you I just cannot get over the fact that like you go when we're there we watch Sassuolo Hellas. Uh, uh, just as because I think oh, a big game. Yeah, just we wanted to watch a game, wanted like day off and. When when was this? Oh God, when was it? I remember that Schelotto played for Sassuolo. Oh, that must have been their first season then. Yeah, and Zaza yeah, okay. and Berardi. Yeah, because oh, yeah, 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 it was the first season. Yeah, because uh, cool. Hellas had Iturbe and uh, they had uh, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, Ach, um, they had Iturbe and then they had um, who did they have up front? They had a really good season, uh, Hellas, that season. They, uh, was, I, well, I think that you're talking about 2013-2014, uh, uh, so the season, uh, the first season of Mazzari in Inter, basically. Yes, that's the yeah, one. I found, I found it. It was 2-0 to Hellas, yeah? Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Jorginho and Romolo scored. Yes, Jorginho so, and Romolo. Yeah. Those are the yeah, Okay, ones. so yeah. it's the start of the season. Okay, yes, right. So was, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we saw but, that. And, and it was raining. It was grey. There was no sun. And then, like, everyone... I mean, and the people around the stadium, like... 
it looked like the people who are on Jerry Springer more than Italians. You know what I mean? Like a lot of teeth broken up with the gum line, tattoos in the neck and face. Um, you know, it was it was not a very yeah. friendly environment. And then I remember we were seated there and we we're just gonna go and buy a beer. And then I go like a half time. I go to buy the beer, and there's a girl standing there with like a top, tattooed from head to toe, uh, wearing a thong that was like a g-string that was showing. And she just took money. And in Italy, wherever you buy something, you have to get a receipt. Oh, no, no. This girl just put money in a box. <laughs> like, she gave you beer no. and I put consider, the money in a box. <laughs> and Nima, please, please consider that you are talking about one of, uh, one of the newest stadiums in Italy. Bentegodi <laughs> actually has 28 tiers. And if you think about it, the Amsterdam Arena uh, yeah. is turning 22 this year. Yeah. So not so far, right? So no, it's no. one of the newest stadiums in Italy. Oh, and it was so disgusting. I remember the toilets in there. It's like they hadn't been cleaned since the 1990s. Like it was, oh, it was horrible. It was just a miserable, just a miserable, miserable experience. Since Hellas's last season in Serie A. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, no, don't go to the Bentegodi. Go to Verona. Verona's a beautiful city. I love Verona. It's beautiful, but that place of town and that stadium is just like no. And and the thing is, Hellas are they, they remind me a little bit of Millwall. Like, nobody likes us, and they kind of, like, that kind of, nobody likes us, and we don't care. Do you know what I mean? Like, that kind of attitude. They have that little attitude that nobody likes them, and they're kind of proud of that. I, I get that vibe from them. Have you remembered well, who was up front? For Hellas? Yeah, I found it. It oh, wasn't a great... St- <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was... Oh, who was it? Oh, I can't remember. Kachia. Yes! <laughs> Yes, yes, it was. <laughs> Daniela Caccia with Juanito Gomez and Martino. Wow, heady days. Yeah, no, it was, it was pretty good. Uh, Sassuolo had Berardi, they had Zaza. They had Berardi, uh, Farias yes. and Schelotto. Schelotto, yeah. He, he oh, just... No, they didn't have Berardi. No, Berardi didn't, didn't he, play. They didn't play. Uh, he he was... must have maybe he was suspended or something. Yes, he probably got so... sent off the week before. <laughs> yeah, it was the first Right. Was well, the first season of Sassuolo in first division. Yeah. 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 Actually, that would have been the the week after they lost seven nil to to us the first time, wouldn't it? It was the third. It was the third game. Anyway, we're really gone. Yeah, gone really somewhere off, else off, now. Off, off, yeah, off. let's go back to let's go back yeah, to twenty eighteen. Let's, let's go to this game and and uh, I mean, any I think Inter will win. I think despite the Sabatini thing, I think uh, this will cool cool down. Um, this will calm down, and I think Inter will win this game. I don't think I don't think Spalletti will let this risk, uh, even if he would like to leave. I think he would like to build on the positivity that he's built up. So um, I, I, I think that Inter will win rather comfortably because Hellas are awful defensively. Um, and uh, I think Icardi will have loads of chances here. And I think with Perisic, we didn't talk about that, but Perisic looked really good against Sampdoria. And we know that when Perisic is good and is helping Icardi out, that he re- his movement creates so much space for the others. So I'm saying 3-0, Icardi 2, and Perisic 1. What do you say, Will? Give me some scorelines and predictions. I'll go for 2-0. Yeah, I mean, this game will tell us a lot of things. If the Sampdoria match was a flash in the pan or something more. But I think, you know, Inter generally struggle against these teams. And um, they did um, fail to beat a similar team on Easter Saturday a few years ago. But that will not be repeated on this occasion, I don't think. I think I'd like someone else to score because I don't really like this thing that Icardi scored 47% of our goals. It makes me feel a little bit nervous, but I, I suspect he will he will have a field day if um, 
if he's on form, especially if Perisic is on form. So uh, let me think, 2-0 and... Um, well, Icardi, whenever he scores one, he often scores another. So well, exactly. I'll say that he gets... Um, that he gets both. I would just like to say about this game that um, uh, Inter have obviously have a very important game after this, the, the derby, which has been rearranged for midweek, but so do Verona because they play Benevento on Wednesday and their team manager was asked about this, this upcoming match against Inter last week and he said, you know, it'll be a difficult game, we'll do our best, but the, the game that we, we must not mess up under any conditions is, is the Benevento game. So I don't know if Peke will maybe keep one or two players fresh for that game, but it's, it's possible. Mm, probably which, which would help us indeed uh, Fulvio what do you think R- predictions well uh, I would say that Inter will win or at least that, that, that is my wish but I don't know because actually being, being an Inter supporter is like uh, it's like a romance with a psychopathic girl <laughs> and you don't know <laughs> you don't know what you don't know what to expect and when you think that everything is good that is the moment in which everything is going is going bad but <laughs> But well still, said. I would like well I would said. like to be positive. Yeah. <laughs> I would like I would like to be positive, and let's say uh, w- will be a tough match uh, for me. Uh, I would say that Inter will win two zero, uh, but after a tough match, and uh, goal will be scored by Icardi, of course. And I think that uh, is um, is the good time uh, for Brozovic to score as well, uh, if uh, if he's gonna play, like I think. And by the way, by the way, take a look to Brozovic and Ambrosi as well, because uh, they are uh, one card away from being from being dismissed. Ooh. So oh, yeah, I, for- I forgot yeah. that. Yeah, I was wondering. I wanted to. Do you think Spalletti will maybe not Ambrosi, but do you think he might leave Brozovic out, or can we not afford to do that? Well, that's risky with Brozovic because you know how we how we yeah you know that we probably not yeah he's probably not gonna not gonna think about that. Um, I think that uh, Spalletti can line more Cavallero, but at the same time, I think it's difficult uh, to avoid uh, Brozovic uh, in this uh, in, the, in this period of the year because it seems very inspired. So yeah. I think that uh, it's going to say okay, okay, Brozo, you're playing, but uh, please, please, please. Oh, well, be that's careful. not going to work, is it? <laughs> it's Brozovic. <laughs> not yeah, and remember, remember we when 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 Mourinho, Mourinho said to Balotelli. Balotelli. Yeah. 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 yeah, Remember, it's the same, it's basically the same thing. Okay, yeah. but uh, but still, if if there's room for Brozovic, Brozovic will score. Uh, otherwise, I think that uh, the other Croatian guy, Perisic, could score again. Nice one. Um, right, let's move on to the part of the show where we pay tribute, rip the piss out of. Uh, as well as criticize someone or something in the world of football uh, rather heavily, starting with the Frog of the Week, which will be presented by Mr. Will Beckman. Yeah, I have a little admission to make. I've struggled to find a frog this week, but I have thought of one. It's, it's a lot closer to home than we normally, um, than we normally go for. Um, I think maybe because the International Week has happened, there's been... I've, had, I've been less inspired, but I, I would like to nominate myself as this week's frog of the week, <laughs> just because, because no, because of what happened, because of that podcast we recorded before Sam, you know, I, I said a lot of things that then were punctually just completely destroyed by what Inter did on the pitch. <laughs> I remember specifically saying that this game will not be resolved in the first half. <laughs> and that was because uh, Sam's home games had been oh, the, the games they hadn't won. They they failed to win them with last minute goals and whatever. And then I repeated it in the preview because I did our preview for 
for Serpents at Madalena. And I said, you know, there's no guarantee until be at their best because they're terrible away from home. Sampa super at home. They never miss. They never miss a trick. And um, well, yeah, that um, it went very wrong. So if you have any other frogs that you'd like to nominate, but I think this is a pretty strong one because yeah. I was very convinced. I did. I even predicted we'd lose this game. Remember? Yeah, you I did. Said we'd you lose did. It. So you, did, you know, you did. I've, yeah. I've got a lot of humble pie to it. I, I, I just saw. I mean, it was clearly always going to be that Icardi had a massive game because it's so typically him to score against his former team that he doesn't really like. Uh, he's had trouble with their supporters. Like, it's just such a typical Icardi thing to do. Um, so I was, yeah. uh, and also the fact that Sampdoria basically collapsed against Katam, uh, against Crotone the, the week before. I just felt, I, I don't know. We'll see. Right, um, let's move on to something a little bit more positive. This week's Moratti, which will be presented by Mr. Fulvio Santucci. Oh my God, he is beautiful! He is beautiful, yeah! Well, I think that uh, this week we really need to mention what uh, Inter Primavera is doing in the Viareggio Cup, um, where the final is reached. Uh, so as we are recording, uh, final is tomorrow at 3 p.m. Italian time uh, versus Fiorentina, uh, which actually made a great impression. Uh, this match Juventus, uh, that uh, is the title order of this tournament. Uh, so a great final, I would say, and definitely not the first time Inter and Fiorentina Primavera crossed the roads. Uh, they were against each other in the last final of Campionato Primavera, won by Inter, as I think you all remember. And uh, they were against each other also in Viareggio Cup uh, 2011, also won by Inter. Funny thing about Viareggio Cup 2011 is that the golden boy of the tournament, so the best player of the tournament, was Simone Dell'Agnello, was an Inter forwarder, and everybody dreamt about him as future star of Inter, while another player of the same tournament with Sampdoria was actually Mauri Cardi. And, uh, yeah, Dallagnello plays now for a third-tier side of Italian football, so don't believe the hype about the Biorigio Cup. Not, uh, not always. Uh, anyway, this was a great season so far for Inter Primavera. Uh, as title order of, uh, of, the, um, of the championship, uh, Inter is leading again the standing, along with Atalanta, was also the Italian team to go further into the Youth League, um, youth league no doubt at penalty by um, uh, Manchester City, and uh, tomorrow, our, our kids might go for the eighth trophy in 10 years, which is something not bad, I would say. Uh, Fiorentina should not be underestimated, as they lost uh, four Biarritz finals in a row. They are the Juventus of the Biarritz uh, finals. <laughs> <laughs> the, last, the last tournament win for, uh, for Fiorentina's side was in um, uh, 1992, so very far. I think that uh, they, want to, they really want to win this cup. Um, the, uh, as I said, the final is tomorrow, so for the moment, uh, we just say good luck, or uh, in Boca Lupo, to say it in Italian way to our Wonder Kids, who are, uh, I think, fairly our Moratti of the week. That's a brilliant and, Moratti. I mean, if you look at what Vecchi and Samaden and the people at Inters, I mean, they've won everything, haven't they? They've won every title that youth team can win. So uh, they're, yeah. they're, they're really a good team. And, and, and this, would, this would be especially impressive because half the team has been away on international duty. Yeah, you're right. For these matches. Right. So, yeah. you know, it's not been a full strength into Primavera either. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Impressive. Right. That's true. Um, right. Uh, let's uh, move uh, also on. Another thing is that um, you mentioned Fiorentina were impressive against... Um... What? What was that? Sorry, you mentioned, you mentioned that Fiorentina were impressive against events. I think we should just clarify that Fiorentina, I think... Beat them 4-1, which is 
which is a very friendly scoreline for teams. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, sorry. And, uh, I, uh, yeah. and for the for the for the people, the, probably probably our our friends who will uh, listen to the podcast uh, uh, while the final uh, is already played. But uh, still, take a look uh, if you if you had the chance if you had, had the chance now to see the final. I think that, uh, um, and I said evening before that uh, this player Yakate is uh, very very good. The captain of the of the Fiorentina team already mentioned in 2015, uh, similar to Pogba as kind of player. So it was uh, it's expected to to debut in the in the first uh, in the first division in Serie A very soon. So I, I hope that uh, at the time that uh, our listener will, uh, uh, will listen to this, uh, Yakate won't uh, be bad to us in <laughs> this final. Yep, yep. Uh, it would be amazing if uh, Stefano Vecchi managed to win, like if he, if he were to lead this, um, this, this Inter side to another trophy, then honest to God, I mean, then I think that, you know, this guy is ready for first team football because... I mean, if you, he's won everything. He pretty much won everything you can win with a youth team. And he's done it playing some good football as well. And he was also, to be honest, last season when he took over the first team twice, he's the only one who kind of did, delivered some sort of consistent results. So um, I don't know. Uh, I, I think Stefan, uh, Mr. Vecchi is... is, is uh, watch out for him. I think he, he will leave in the youth team to go coach a big team or a, or a first team. Uh, a, a, a senior side uh, at some point very soon. Um, right, let's move on to something a little bit more negative. This week's Moji, which I'll be presenting myself. Um, there's really nothing much that I can bring up other than what we've already discussed. This, this ridiculous situation with Inter and Suning and Sabatini is, uh, again, th this was so unnecessary. In my opinion, is that they, the, the timing of all this is just so horrible. Um, and it seems that the, the, as soon as Inter, the team is building up something positive, there's some, they've got something, some momentum to go on. Someone or something stupid, incredibly stupid and unnecessary happens to ruin that momentum and f shift the focus from a positive uh, atmosphere to something negative. Now, I hope I'm wrong and I hope that Inter continue uh, with a good, decent performance that Spalletti protects his team uh, and protects his players uh, and protects and does his and, and continues to show a, a, a professional attitude and protects the team from this mess. Uh, that's been going on, but for me, this this whole this Sabatini gate is is the is the moji of the week. Can I offer another one? Because I just Go thought of one. Whether Go for it. Whoever was uh, unkind enough to vandalise the interwall last week deserves yeah, mention as well yeah, in this yeah, category. That's true. That's very and, much true. And also Milan themselves for what they've done with this uh, this ticket fiasco ahead of this derby next week. That's, that's not been very yeah. We can't we can't be pleasant that. either. Um, I, I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to say because basically because of People do because of Milan's throwing their toys out of the pram by doing that uh, because the, the game is being played at a date they don't want it to be played. Uh, they're basically saying that you know we're not paying you know they're not giving any uh, any refunds for any tickets, forcing saying that they'll give vouchers, and that, that's that's all right if you're a Milan fan. But if you're an Inter fan, why the hell would you want a voucher to a Milan game? Like it just doesn't make any sense. So uh, they've and they've also really screwed their their own fans over because I know a lot of Milan fans 
who live in other countries or other parts of Italy who can't go yeah, exactly. in the middle of the week. And therefore, they've paid 90, 90 euros, 200 euros, 300 euros for, for a ticket they can't use. So that's why we've decided to um, do help out those fans, all fans, Inter fans and Milan fans who are going to that game. Uh, use the hashtag DerbyMilanoTickets to post uh, on, on Twitter if you want to sell your tickets. And we on Semprinte will retweet it and try to get you, uh, try to help you sell your tickets to someone uh, who, who, who can go to the game. So that we have a good derby, a nice derby with lots of people who can be there instead of thousands of people who bought tickets and can't be there. So, um, yeah, that, that's, uh, that's what we're going to do. Um, Nick, we'll be back next week after Easter, hopefully with three wins and no more scandals. Uh, three points, a win, and no more scandals. Um, I'd like to thank you, Fulvio, for coming back. Thank you, Nima. Just one quick thing before, uh, before leaving you and uh, leaving uh, Studio Inter. Uh, take a look to Juventus Milan, if you can, on uh, Saturday night, because uh, as I said, that Brozovic and uh, D'Ambrosio were uh, one card away from the dismiss from the derby. Also Bonucci and Bilgar. But uh, uh, Milan plays in Juventus, so it's, uh, the possibility <laughs> to, to take yellow card is higher. So take a look, because if, uh, if Milan lost Bonucci for the derby, I think it's, uh, at, 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 at the current time, it's a great loss. So yeah, just, just cheer for the, for the yellow card to Bonucci. That's a, that's, that's a nice one. I, I, hope, I don't think it'll happen, but... Um... <laughs> well, he's got, <laughs> he's, got, he's got the right but, shirt to pick up a booking in that state. Yeah, but still, I would like to say goodbye to the friends and uh, to, thank, uh, to thank you to, to have me here with... Uh, Uh, with a wish, and the wish is that Bonucci will take a yellow card and uh, <laughs> it's going it's to lose the, the cups in the derby. Yes, I, I hope that too. Uh, I think everyone does. Um, I'd also like to thank you, Will. Thanks again for joining. Thank you. Happy Easter to everyone. Forza yellow card and happy birthday to Lota Mateos. This is yes. his birthday since we were last recorded. Yes, happy Lota, happy birthday, Lota Mateos. Buona Pasqua and sempre e solo. Forza. Oh, 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 oh,